Hello and welcome to episode 147 of the Nintendo Switch UK podcast. I'm Mike. I'm Al. I'm Anton. And I'm James. Hey. <laughs> After a very, very long time, we've got you back. How's it's it been, been going? too long. It's been good. Um, I've just been really busy doing other things and dropped all of the other plates I was spinning. But uh, no, it's good. And thank you guys for not forgetting I exist. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> it is It is nice to uh, to have you back on the, the podcast. To be fair, for a while, I think Anton and I wondered if I still existed because... I think I was about eight episodes where I wasn't on, but um, no, it's good. And it's it, we are going to be seeing a, hopefully a bit more of you this year, James, as well, which is very yeah. exciting. So um, actually, before we, before we get on, we're going to find out what you've been playing and what everyone else has been playing in the last week or two, and for you, James, a bit longer. But before that, we've got another review, which I forgot to read out last week, actually. Uh, oh, so boo. Yes, Mike, boo. E- even worse, that it's, um, it's someone that's part of our Patreon community as well, which makes me feel even more guilty that I forgot and to. And has been for quite some time. I know. I mean, Let's face it, this is a very important person I've missed out, Mike. You're going to have to do a lot of groveling. I know. know, Matt Simmons 9. I'm so sorry, Matt, that I forgot to read this out. However... Uh, the part, the review says I've been listening to this since the podcast started and I've always loved it, the hosts are relatable and feel like you're just in a conversation with friends the community that has been built is great and the Discord chat always has something going on looking forward to season 4, keep up the great work thank you, and that came out, I think it was pretty much the day season 4 kind of launched and I, I missed it, so uh, thank you Matt, it's a lovely review and actually he's right, the community has been really busy of late, uh, uh, Anton Indeed, um, I, I got called out on my my love of Jim Carrey in the Sonic movie. Um, I liked him in it too, I'll, so I'm with you, Anton. Uh, uh, see, you know, I think Jim Carrey's fantastic and everything, but that's why we've got a great community because we're able to have these discussions about Jim Carrey and whether you know you're or not pronouncing his name wrong. Right? He's not Jim Carrey. He's Jim Carrey. I, I'm not say, starting a second potato, Jim Carrey potato, argument. Potato, <laughs> tomato, carry, I carry. so much fuel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, give a, cut, cut him some slack, Anton. You're supposed to, it's Alistair, you're supposed to be, you know, on Anton's side here. But anyway, it's, uh, it has been really busy, hasn't it, Al? It's been good. And lots of um, lots of conversations, lots of people talking about the sale, also some demos that have been out. So it's it's been a busy week. And there's a lot of people encouraging each other to go out and play games. I think this week everyone seems to have jumped on the Hue bandwagon, which is a game I think we talked about when it came out. It was uh, through colour changing. So I think you and I, Mike, were slightly wary of it, but I believe there was a colourblind mode. But either way, yeah, everyone's been going off and encouraging them each other to go and buy this game and they have been and uh, it's it's wonderful i think the previous weeks everybody was talking about arceus and there's always some topic being discussed and everyone being egged on to basically spend money well that's it yeah it's it's the money thing isn't it well let's find out what you guys have been playing james we'll come to you first because it's the longest since we've spoken to you and i know that you're fairly busy on your switch you're also fairly busy on game pass as we all are now because we i think we all um have xbox game pass and i want to speak to anton about something on that without going into major <gasps> detail just as a side, a two a two second conversation. It will all be Switch. Other than that, though. Uh, but James, what about you? Switch wise, what have you been playing? Um, I have sunk an awful lot of time into Pokemon the last couple of weeks since it came nice. out. Um, completed the Pokedex the other night. It was about seventy six hours all in. So um, when wow. I say I've been really busy, and that's why I've not been on the podcast, it's largely <laughs> been spending all of my time playing computer games. Love it. But um, yeah, a lot of that. Um, 
got got puzzles and dragons earlier, um, which I think we'll come back to in a bit, and also been playing Hypnospace Outlaw, which oh, wow. um, I didn't ex- I didn't have a clue what to expect, but it's good fun. It's strange. It's really really strange. It's not for everyone, but um, yeah. I like that's it. that's the one that's the kind of late nineties kind of CRT based internet thing, right? Exactly. It's um, it's like an alternate universe, nineteen ninety nine, with like an it's a form of internet, but all the users only go on it when they sleep or something. It's sci fi and slightly confusing, but cool. um, it yeah, it's 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 done well for world building. I'll put it that way. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. Help. How have you found the, the controls with that title? Because I know that was one once they sent it in for verification with Nintendo. Nintendo asked the developer and they're like, yeah, could you add like keyboard and mouse controls? That would be pretty cool. Um, so it's the basis, all right, without that. Yeah, it's um, it's on Game Pass as well. So I've kind of tried it on a few different things. Um, I did end up finishing it on, on my laptop because keyboard and mouse is better. But it does work on the controller. It's... Um, it takes a a wee bit of getting used to, but it it's it's the same. It's just a wee bit slower to get around. Yeah, yeah. But like Football Manager, when you play it on different devices. <laughs> um, Anton, what about you? What have you been playing over the last week or so? Oh, I've been whittling away at Bridge Constructor Portal. Um, my brain is not quite as wrinkly as it should be for a game of this caliber, clearly. But nevertheless, I'm maybe two levels further. And outside of that, I have been doing, oh, I believe it's called SnowRunners, the kind of off-road truck game. Um, I was doing great. I had a truck. I'd went around the map. I'd gotten all the materials. I got steel. I got wood. I was going to build a bridge. I got to where the bridge was, and then I accidentally tipped it just on the edge, and then I've got a truck stuck on the edge where I was taking materials to, to build this new bridge with the materials I spent hours getting. Um, I'm having tons of fun. Now I've got a, a Jeep, and I'm going to save my truck. It's professional gaming over here, Mike. Um, yeah. Best 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 years of my life right here. Am I right in saying you also on Game Pass tried out the Cyberpunk 2077 demo? Um, no, I, I I had the game when it came out um, and I've revisited it. I put like 80 hours in it and wow, yeah, they've, um, I think they're very, very close to having their, their No Man's Skies moment. It's running a lot better than it ever did before um, yeah. and it looks great. Yeah, I, I play, the only reason I ask is because I played... Um, around two hours of it of the five hour demo that you get on game pass and uh, i know there's all the controversy and we've talked about this game before and and you know the, the controversies behind it because it's an interesting story but um it ran great i have to say like obviously it's, it's optimized for series s and x now so it's it's different but it's um yeah i, I mean I, you're right no man's sky is a great comparison it feels like it's there now so uh, would you recommend outside of switch that i continue with it and, and go and play the full game is it worth is it worth the time Oh yeah, like uh, I went through and admittedly I did have the benefit of playing on the Series X because I knew it was the last gen gen versions that were having the issue before and you know, I did have to restart a lot but there was a great game underneath that broken husk that they threw in the market last year (laughs) and now that that kind of corpse is now back up alive and breathing and uh, at its prime, definitely I think it's worth a go. Very, very interesting. Okay, Al, what about you? What have you been playing this week? Uh, well, I mean, I've been playing trusted Nintendo favourites Mario Golf and Mario Party because why wouldn't you? They're both wonderful games. I've unlocked a couple of extras in both games, in fact, which is quite cool. I, I'm enjoying levelling up the characters in Mario Golf. <laughs> is it the new Mario Party you've been playing? 
No, it's still the old one. Mm-hmm. Well, I, at some point, I want to get the new one. But I also gave Astroneer a shot. Have any of you well, guys played Astroneer? No, but I've seen a lot of it. downloaded, but I haven't delved in yet. Apparently, I'm not very good. I can't quite figure out what I'm actually meant to do. I've got my little base kind of set up, and I've wandered off a few times. I've died a couple of times because I ran out of air. But I've got to a stage where I think I'm supposed to go find some compounds and something else, and for the life of me, I can't figure out how to do them. I just keep digging massive holes in the landscape to no avail. So apparently I make a terrible astronaut slash person abandoned on an alien planet with, you know, only myself to save me. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I, you wouldn't necessarily be my instinctive choice as my right-hand man if I had to be an astronaut <laughs> randomly. But that's not an, that's not a criticism. It's just that I see you more in, in ground control. You know, you're, you're you're kind of in ground control. Sipping a cup of coffee, sure, that sounds good. To per, me. Perhaps, perhaps. Um, I have so I had a few. I had my brother and his uh, girlfriend over last night, and a couple other people, and uh, they uh, we played some Jackbox, which was good fun. Played a bit of that. Um, Which one? Uh, three, because it's the only one I own, but it's still great. It's one of the best. Oh, it's top notch. Yeah, it's a really good. It's a really good uh, Jackbox game. But it just reminds me of how good Jackbox is. I kind of feel like with lockdown, we kind of forgot because there was so much of that kind of thing happening. We forgot how good those games actually are for get-togethers. They're really good. Um, Al is going to be at my house next weekend, which I'm very excited about, along with a couple of other friends, and we're going to have some games nights. And I think, I think that's probably going to be on there jackbox will be on the list i'd imagine because it's just a very accessible game for everybody and there were people there that weren't gamers and they were like this is great this is so much fun so um so that's good and what else have i been playing so on the switch i've started playing kingdom of alomar which uh, re-reckoning which is the big rpg which um kind of sits somewhere between a skyrim and a fable i think it's kind of got magic elements but it's quite skyrimy and and but it's a great world it's a lovely world and actually it's probably one of the easier ones to pick up and play and it has a difficulty level setting which is nice for rpgs because some rpgs you play them and it's like i, I don't mind the grind of them but sometimes i'm like i don't have time i just want to experience the world so i've set it on easy call me a fake gamer if you like i don't mind come at me but fake I just, gamer fake I just, gamer i just want to enjoy you know, the world kettle black yeah, exactly. You would do, you'd have it on like, you'd try and find like, you know, child mode if you could, just so you could, because I'm the same, you know, it's, sometimes you just want to experience the world. So it's good. It's a nice world. I have to say I'm a couple hours in and I think I'm going to stick with this one because I'm, I'm really liking that. I've also been playing Coffee Talk, which I mentioned the other week, which is just a small kind of interactive, I run a coffee shop after midnight. People come in and tell me their stories. It's a bit of a kind of visual novel with, making coffee now and then but it's relaxing the stories are good i'm enjoying it it's nice so i'm gonna try and finish that off this week and get on to maybe assassin's creed Ezio collection which i've got and in and too many games not enough hours in the day and then game pass yes i did on xbox i must admit i did play a bit of cyberpunk which was which was good so there we are that's been my week incredible stuff and it seems like we've actually been all playing stuff which is yes. nice <laughs> which, does, which is helpful when we host a, a gaming podcast that we actually play some games then uh, and with that uh, we'll move on to this week's news tell us the people want to know so this is your time to shine james because first up gung-ho online entertainment have announced puzzle and dragons nintendo switch edition for the nintendo switch it's out now it's three pounds 21 i believe there's a demo which you had a go of james Oh, I ended up just buying the the full thing at three pounds twenty one. I had some of the gold coins to use up against it. Um, but the first thing you have when you load up the game, it goes tell us what territory you're playing in. I think that's fine. You see the list of them. It's like Armenia, Australia, all the way down. There's no Great Britain. 
but there is an England with a, a UK flag beside it. Just just England, not Scotland. Scotland does not Aww. exist. No. So, um, maybe they'll fix that. It's um, um, it's a common problem we face up here, to be honest. So if you are <laughs> listening in England um, and you're a games developer, not that I think this was obviously not made in England. I, I would have thought that if this was made in England, they wouldn't have made this decision. But where are gung-ho from, uh, uh, Anton? Uh, I believe they're a, a Japanese studio from okay. memory. Um, I, they've kind of done a, a couple big titles. Um, this seems to be up quite a scale down from the previous entries in the franchise. Like I know the last one on 3DS was like a full £40 release. And yeah, how, how are you feeling about it, James? I think it's it's fine. I mean, it is kind of just a mobile game, but on the Switch. I, I mean, it looks fine. I've not played an awful lot, but the gameplay is solid. Um, seem to be unlocking stuff left, right, and center, which I quite like, and I hope that keeps it up because if there's if there's anything I like in games, it's giving me points and unlocking things, so I feel like I've achieved something. But um, you know, at three pounds twenty one, you can't really argue. It's a, it's one of these sort of like match three type puzzle games, doesn't it? They move things around, and match them up. Out of curiosity, because you you can either use a cursor or you can do touch screen. Which version, which way have you tried playing it? Or have you done both? I've just been using the, the controller. I've not tried with the, the touchscreen. I did see it was an option. But um, even though it's like a Switch, I think I can count one hand the number of times I've played in handheld mode. It's just so much easier for me to just lounge on the sofa and play with a controller than it's, put any effort in. It's funny because I think... Now that usually most of my TVs are taken up by Hey Dougie, actually I play a lot more handheld than I ever have. <laughs> so, so I think it's just yeah. But I know what you mean. Sometimes it's easier beforehand. I would before babies, I would have had on the, the TV all the time, pretty much. Um, Al, what about you? Is this your kind of game? Is this the kind of thing that you would go? Man, I could play this in my spare time. Yeah, funnily enough, actually, I'm kind of tempted to pick this one up. Not just because it's three, two, one, which is a great price. I mean, I love them for doing that. That makes me very, very happy. But there's something quite pleasant about playing these just you know tile matching match three type games and this one does look like it has a bit of depth there's various modes to it you know you've got a single player kind of inverted commas campaign there's some multiplayer and there's a there's enough in there to at least keep you going for a short period of time time. and for let's face it peanuts 321 is in the realms where nobody's going to argue even though it's not that great you're not going to feel hard done by so it's kind of hard to go wrong with this and it has been a very successful mobile game in the past so you know, it, it's proven itself. Yeah, and it's out now. You can go and do what James did and spend three, two, one, and and get on board. Next up, Nintendo have announced the Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask for Nintendo Switch Online expansion pack. It's coming out on the twenty fifth of uh, February, and that one uh, obviously we know is an absolute classic. It's great to see it as part of the expansion pack and just adding more value again, Anton. Indeed, this is one I'm quite excited for because we did have the port on the Nintendo 3DS, but I, I've heard mixed feedback of that one in particular, much more so than the, the feedback of Ocarina of Time, where uh, during development, Adriana Fuma, I, do excuse me if I've butchered that pronunciation, wasn't actually a fan of the final product. Um, and, you know, with that, you know, there's a degree of not understanding what the fans enjoyed about it. So when we did get the 3DS remaster, there's a few areas in of that remaster that kind of broke parts that he liked and or fans liked and loved about that title because he didn't quite understand 
why fans grasped and really loved this title. So to get the kind of uncensored original experience on a contemporary console with a proper joystick or proper-ish joystick makes me very happy. How do you feel about it, Al? I mean, what's well, first of all, what's not to like? But second of all, it was a kind of an inevitability. We knew it was coming. In fact, I think it was even in the launch trailer for the expansion pack plus or expansion, whatever you're calling it, plus. Uh, so yeah, it, it was inevitable we were going to get it. The interesting thing would be to see how well they've done the emulation. I know how well it's running because there was a lot of criticism when uh, Ocarina of Time came out that it just didn't work well. The draw distances had ruined some of the beautiful visuals. So I'm intrigued to see whether this one gets a warm reception or the same sort of critical reception that its uh, predecessor got. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomised genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The way, the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out The Gaming Blender on all your favourite podcast platforms now. Yeah, what's your thoughts, James? Because, I mean, to be honest, I've got to... I, I think it'll be fine. Um, and I do think sometimes we do look at some of the 64-bit titles with a little bit of a kind of nostalgic, red-tinted kind of view in terms of the visuals. I think the visuals have always been a little bit kind of like, mm, use your imagination here. Um, but that's not a bad thing because they're classics and this is an absolute classic. I'm excited for this one to come to the expansion pack. But what's your thoughts, um, James? What are you? What's your take on this? I mean, if I have to be completely honest, and it's a slightly hot take, but I think it's my least favorite of the uh, the 3D Zelda titles. Um, I played it through in 3DS. I didn't have it on the N64. Um, it just didn't quite click with me, but I've got the expansion pack. I'll give it another go. Um, as the others have said, hopefully the at least some of the emulation issues have been ironed out. So um, it's... It's worth a look at the very least. Yeah. Oh, well, the thing is, they're adding value all the time. And even if it is your least favorite, the fact we have it is is kind of nice. And it feels like we're at some point going to reach a point where we kind of have most of them, if not all of them. I, I could see that in the future. Next up, an investor at an investor Q&A, uh, uh, company president Shuntaro Furukawa has shared that he suspects Evergreen game sales will decline, thus Nintendo will be shifting focus to new titles. Now, I did read a bit about this this week, Al. And I don't think that's a massively surprising take given where we are in the cycle. But also I think it's quite interesting in that new titles is what they've said. They haven't kind of said, you know, said, oh, new, um, a new console or anything like that. They're just talking about new titles. So to me, it feels like the Switch is still going to be around for quite a while yet. Um, and that the new titles, we know Mario Kart, obviously, that is an evergreen title that's getting expanded. But... We're gonna have. Are we going to be hearing more about Zelda soon? Perhaps is it Breath of the Wild? Is that a hint of Breath of the Wild? What, what's your take on it? Well, possibly. I mean, for for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what an Evergreen title is, it's basically an old game that just keeps on selling. Mario Kart Eight is the perfect example. It has been the best selling game on the console pretty much since it launched. Consistently the up 10. there in the top five. Yeah, constantly up there. Uh, so they're basically Nintendo have made a lot of money from these old games that they haven't 
had spent any extra money really supporting or putting out there. Uh, and they recognised that as more and more people buy uh, replacement switches rather than a new switch, these buyers, they've already got these games. So although they're still selling new hardware, they're not necessarily new hardware to new people. Uh, and they're rightly going, yeah, okay, these people aren't going to buy the same game twice, they already own it, so they're going to make more of their revenue, at least for a bigger proportion, from new titles. I mean, it's common sense, frankly. Uh, but it is good to know that they have acknowledged this themselves, and that's probably why they're doing things like the DLC for Mario Kart 8. It's much cheaper to chuck it in a few extra courses to keep the longevity of that title going, rather than spending a whole metric tonne of money developing Mario Kart 9 when, you know, they don't need to. So it will be interesting to see what they do going forward and what the new titles might be, whether it's new IP, which is unlikely, or just, you know, new games and existing franchises. Yeah, Anton, what's your take on it? I mean, the thing about new IP is that we talk, a lot of people say, and I've seen this a lot recently, oh, there's no original games. There's a graphic going around of the launch titles in 2017 oh. and the titles that the last direct in 2022 and them all being pretty much the same, but the sequel of the next version <laughs> of the game, which is which is a good thing because we love those titles and they're selling better now than they did then. There's a lot made about not having enough new IPs, but is that really what people want anyway, Anton? Um, you know, I, I think in terms of getting that hype, you know, a new IP never quite gets the, you know, the hype of a, you know, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate getting unveiled. But this is a, an interesting timing for this news. And I think the in correlation with the expansion pack, you know, it's putting words to Nintendo's actions. You know, they've had this title that they've been very happy just letting their sit on the shelves for the past almost eight or so years going from the Wii to the Switch or Wii U to the Switch and now they're adding on to it like so far on which suggests to me that Nintendo's hit the kind of peak saturation of just selling this title you know the Switch is at 100 plus units uh, 100 plus million units you know they've kind of beat you know they've got all of the diehard or even light Nintendo fans it's all new people in here or people that weren't interested in Mario Kart to begin with. And due to that, you know, they're they're double dipping. They're selling us more content to the, the kind of core Nintendo fans and developing new titles, whether that's within of existing franchises or new IPs. Hey, James? Yeah. Um, I think I always like it when we reach this point in a console life cycle where they go, yeah, we've kind of hit all the, the main points. We've got a got a Mario Kart, we've got some Mario sports games, we've got all these other things going on and um, now we're getting into the kind of weird sort of era where they just throw ideas out at random games you never quite know what you might end up getting but um, yeah I, I think we'll we'll get to the point where they'll start taking a bit more risks and they're not going to put out games that are going to appeal to absolutely everyone I think they'll just just throw all sorts of ideas at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, well, one of the ideas that we did here was this new Mario Kart expansion of the extra, what is it, 42, 48 courses? Um, well, you'll be able to play the new Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Booster Course Pass online, even if only one player owns the Booster Course Pass or has access to it as part of Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack membership. That's really interesting, and it, it kind of makes sense from an online gaming point of view because it would be really awkward for their online servers to sort of filter out the people who didn't have the courses to, to be able to do it 
properly. And I think it would be detrimental to the online um, sort of infrastructure because there's still a huge community that play online Mario, Mario Kart regularly. But it's good news, I think, Al, isn't it? I, yeah, I mean, I can't disagree. It is it is great news for anyone who hasn't, you know, wanted to go out and spend the pennies to buy these extra courses. They still get to race them. Admittedly, not in sort of sitting on the couch next to your mate if you're just playing local, but if you want to go online and play them, the whole selection is there. And if nothing else, it's maybe not, maybe not a bad marketing ploy from Nintendo's point of view. People might go on and go, I really like this course. I want to play this with my best friend sitting beside me on the couch. And they will then go and either sign up for Expansion Pack Plus or uh, go, you know, pay the... 15, 16 quid, whatever it's going to be, to get the courses uh, as a one-off purchase. Yeah, what's your take, Anton? What do you think? Yeah, this just makes me real happy. You know, I remember back in the days of like Halo 3 Online when you had the map packs. And, you know, if you had that one person that didn't have it, you know, they were either getting left out or everybody hated them because we had to play on the old rubbish maps. (laughs) And this, you know, it's just a nicer way of doing things. And, you know, who knows if you're that one person within of your friend circle that has the pack? Oh, uh, you're 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 the cool kid now. Yeah, yeah, that's it, James. Will you be getting the pack, James? Well, you will because you've got the expansion pack anyway, don't you? I've got the expansion pack, but I don't have Mario Kart Eight because I had it on the Wii U, and I thought, well, I don't need to buy it again. But now I think, and maybe I maybe I do. Um, so you know, it's <laughs> being about these evergreen game sales declining, but there's still plenty of people like me who've been holding out yeah it's weird to say say that because i had it on the wii u and i think we put in about 400 hours on the wii u and i've put in just about 200 hours on the switch (laughs) so so i bought it after having done 400 hours and i still played another 200 but it's mario kart so i get it i totally get why you might hold off and and it is it's it's quite clever isn't it really from nintendo i think so i mean it's the expansion packs what 25 pounds a year something yeah 24 pounds something in that area and i mean a lot of people probably already have it for the Animal Crossing DLC uh, because it's the same price. I think it works well in, from their point of view in that they'll get this income over and over again with a subscription rather than people buying it one-off. And I think the fact that they're, the way they're dealing with it online is is really good as well um, because otherwise it's going to be an absolute nightmare. If you've got like oh we can only match this player who's only got like packs two and three of these races so then no one's going to have a good time yeah uh, yeah if it shrinks down like that absolutely and i think with things like services like game pass and ps plus to a lesser extent maybe but those kind of services have meant that nintendo have had to step up if they're going to ask for more money then they have to start adding these things and they have to make it a worthwhile pass and as you said the DLC that we're starting to see, uh, I think we're going to see a lot more of that. We talked a bit about that last week, actually. So if you if you check out the last last week's episode, you'll hear us chat about the potential of more DLC uh, to come. We think next up, Fortnite. Are uh, actually before that. Uh, well, I'll tell you this one first, and then we'll go back to Pokemon Legends. Fortnite have uh, new gyro and flick stick controls. We won't spend too much time on this, but Anton, this is a lot of people would be very happy about this because gyro controls are always welcome in anything that involves shooting stuff. Indeed, you know, Gyro, we love it. You know, we've seen in tons of titles. The flick stick controls are actually quite unique. So in combination with Gyro, you can also turn on this flick stick controls and you can only do flick stick if you've got Gyro enabled. And basically what it means is if you tap the stick 
to any of the sides. If you tap it left or right, it'll turn the camera hard 90 degrees. And then if you flick it back, it'll do a hard 180. Or if you're kind of looking off and then press forward, it will recenter it. So the combination of having that really kind of finite control of the gyro, then with this very twitch-like, you know, being able to flip your camera, like, you know, snap of your finger. And um, wow, that's going to be very, very competitive. And, you know, it adds not only just a more precise way of controlling, a new way of controlling that wasn't possible before. You know, you just couldn't do those like, millisecond turn the camera around 180 degrees so yeah esports man it's gonna be insane i mean the thing is al it's great but it's also not gonna make any difference to me or you right (laughs) it's totally not but i do love the idea of going in and just standing watching a noob who does no idea what's going on pressing the stick going why am i spinning around and they'll just be like jerking all over the place it will be hilarious to watch people trying to get to grips with this if they're not used to it already but uh yeah i mean for people who play these games uh, in a, any semi-competitive kind of way, having things like gyro controls is a big, a big thing for them. Admittedly, for me, I hate gyro controls <laughs> because I just cannot get behind them. But I appreciate that I'm not meant to. I used to hate them, and then I played the. I can't remember which game it was. Maybe, maybe Splatoon. I did the Splatoon. Yeah. yeah. So I think it was Splatoon. So, but then when I started, at first I was like, "This is awful." And then I realized that everyone else was using gyro, and it made a huge difference to the way they were playing. And after about I don't know an hour of playing with it, I was like. Why was I not doing this before? This is so much easier. I can get so much more precision. And I'm not very good at, at any shooters. So, like, this is not... When I say better, I mean, like, you know, from being last uh, to being, like, second last. But still, it was uh, an improvement. So I, I do get it now, I have to say. Um, and I think it's really cool. It's it's great to see more gyro, but, you know, it's still you're still not going to beat the, the PC players, but it's, it's certainly a step in the right direction. Uh, now, people have discovered a hidden modern-day room in Pokemon Legends Arceus. Uh, James, have you been to this modern-day room? I have not. I saw a picture of it on somewhere online, um, and I thought, oh, I, I won't look at it just in case I end up finding this again later, but... No, absolutely no idea. Um, I think the the entire setting for the game is is really clever, um, and I'd really like to know more about what this room is all about or where it's come from. Is it a sign of things to come? Is it just something they cut at the last minute, or or what's going on really? Well, the sad thing is you'll probably never find it because the only way it's accessible is when you're running it on an emulation on a PC with a whole lot of other software to basically hack your way into the code. It's one of these things that was never really designed to be found by anybody. It's cool. I don't. It must have been there maybe as like an early tech demo or something of how the game engine was going to run. And it is basically just a modern room. There's big flat screen TVs and there's a, a Pokemon branded Switch and the books and there's beds and the desk and stuff. But nothing is interactable with. You literally just walk around. You can walk through all these things. It's really cool to see. I love it, the fact that it exists. But I have no idea why it was in there really other than just probably a hangover from development. It's, what do you think, Anton? Yeah, it's very novel. Um, as you say, it's it's not really intended for end users. The collision detection's a little bit broken within the space, but it enables us to ponder the question of whether or not the kind of setting of this being done as the earliest game in the Pokemon timeline was intentional or a consequence of the game they ended up developing, uh, which I could wonder, you know, it's a lot more of a barren landscape or, you know, the fact that you just find Pokemon wandering around so aimlessly or, I guess, wildly, um, you know, maybe they kind of started putting things together, you know, 
starting from a position of sitting in the current day like the rest of the Pokemon and then through, you know, creating all these different bits and bobs, realize actually, you know, you know, these lands are a little bit too barren for, you know, to be a modern day. Let's put it further back or, oh, actually, these Pokemon don't quite behave how we're used to. Maybe we should set it further back. What What do you think, Mike? Um... I, I, I think it's cool. I think it's really cool. I, I love these kind of hidden sort of weird things that you discover when you're kind of, um, you know, when people are looking through um, code and things. And it's stuff that's beyond me. It's completely beyond me. But I just love the idea that within the infrastructure of a game that you're playing, there's other stuff that you never get to know about. I guess we find that with the 3D Mario All-Stars, with the, the emulation, not All-Stars. Was it the All-Star? The 3D... The triple pack, the, the three games when we got like Galaxy and all that. Um, there was all sorts of problems with the emulation that at first and people were sort of saying, oh, we, you, you can fall down in sunshine and find some hidden stuff and all that because it was based on emulators and things. So I, I find all that stuff fascinating, but it, it doesn't make any difference to me. I do wonder with, with this one though, um, I could see them doing a lot more with the game in general and I do think there's going to be a lot more to come because it's been such a success and it's also I think there's a lot of kind of people who have not fallen off the Pokemon bandwagon but maybe had been a bit kind of like oh, I don't know what's going to happen next who have just with Arceus just absolutely loved it and despite in my opinion graphically I think it probably leaves a little to be desired but actually it doesn't really matter because it seems like it's just got everyone. It's just the right kind of Pokemon game at the right time. So I think we're going to see a lot more from it. Whether it's going to involve flat screen TVs, I'm not sure. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Team 17 have, uh, well, they seem to be undergoing some changes. They've said we're struggling. As we grow, there's always going to be an increasing need to sign potentially more titles or refocus and sign higher quality titles with more commercial potential. And that's my focus. I'm trying to improve that ratio. I don't want to see us on a continual treadmill of just filling the pipe. It's an interesting one. You could tell, Anton, that they were not struggling, but certainly looking at options when they started talking about NFTs and things. Um, and then obviously they abandoned all that because they realized that nobody liked them doing that. But um, what's your take on it? Because I, I, I think it's right. That it's nice that they're honest and open. I sometimes worry when people are being that open. Are they like on the brink or what's going on? Um, yeah, you know, it's uncanny to see transparency at a company of this scale and that's not to say they're huge but it's to say that they're intermediate you know they're not quite definitely not an indie you know they're a publisher of many indies now however they're not quite at that triple a stage and maybe not even at that double a stage you know they've done worms rumble which was a sizable title but they're in that middling ground and you know they're at the stage where I'm sure if they wanted to, they could go ahead and do the, you know, these big old titles that are expansive and see if they can grow their studio into doing bigger, greater things and then, you know, have their big triple A's and then publish indies on the side. Who knows? But it's it's interesting, isn't it, James? I think so. Um, I do know when they speak about, you know, a, a treadmill of content filling, but that's very 2022 management jargon. It's all funnels and siphoning audiences and what have you but for me team 17 aren't one of the if i see that logo i don't immediately think this is going to be a really good game whereas if i see the likes of devolver digital or like anapurna interactive showing up at the start of a game i think okay well if if they're publishing it then i know it's a decent one but um it's a tricky one and 
I guess if they're they're being open about this, are they sort of preparing shareholders and things for for going? Look, we're going to start slowing down releases here so that we've got fewer things, but the better. Um, it's it's an interesting one. Um, you can take it a few different ways, and I'm not quite sure which one they're looking to go for. They're definitely a company with. I'm going to say growing pains. I mean, they've been growing for quite a long time and they have had a couple of, uh, they're not quite scandals, but there have been, there've been several accusations, like many game companies recently, of some less than desirable practices going on in the background, shall we say, you know, sexual harassment accusations, there's been accusations of staff being overworked and underpaid and uh, many, many things that unfortunately are not unique to them, but do seem to be uh, being addressed at the moment across the industry, which is good. Um, that quote was attributed to Michael Patterson, who is their current CEO, as in the Team 17 CEO. Um, and he was addressing sort of like an all-staff, where I think then that got passed over to Eurogamer, who leaked this story or who published this story. Um, and he was being very open and honest, and he was saying, look, we know we have issues. We we need to sort ourselves out on many fronts, not not just on the kind of games they're publishing, but we need to address this thing as a whole company. Um, and I think that that's probably a good thing. I, I'm all in favour of CEOs standing up and saying, we know we have problems, and we will do whatever we can to fix them. Uh, please put your hands up, tell us anything and everything, we will listen, and there'll be you know no negative repercussions. Basically, please come and tell us what we need to fix. That is a great approach to take. And interestingly, Team 17, they're a company I've always had a very soft spot for. When I, uh, maybe unlike James, when I see the Team 17 logo, I think, oh great, I'm in for a good time. Because so many of my favourite games in history have been published by Team 17. The only problem is that they, out of the like, man, a thousand games they publish, I like four of them. But I really like that four. They have got some absolute gems in that back catalogue. The problem is the rest of the dross that may have kind of slip through the net and if you do start filtering them out i'm very happy yeah well we'll see what happens with team 17 in 2022 and beyond platinum games hideki kamiya has thrown shade at konami saying if it smells like money konami's going to be there in a heartbeat i mean look it's kind of obvious i mean but uh, it's a bit harsh perhaps to say it out loud we won't labor this point too too long al but we like a bit of shade being thrown don't we it's great fun. As much as I like seeing it when, you know, companies are all congenial and working together and happy, happy, it's also quite good fun when they start to, you know, stick their elbow into each other's ribs. And this was a conversation where they're talking about NFTs, I think, uh, was where it came from. They're being Surprise. interviewed by OVGC. That's who they're being interviewed by. Uh, and uh, yeah, Platinum Games just went, you know what? Yeah, we're not going to do NFTs. We have no interest in NFTs, but sure, uh, if Konami smell money, they'll be there. <laughs> it was quite good fun. Yeah, it is. It's um, it's quite funny. Uh, uh, Anton, I'm going to come to you for this one. Paramount have, annou- uh, Paramount have announced a Sonic the Hedgehog 3 and Knuckles the series for Paramount+. Paramount Plus. Why can I not say Paramount? Um, I am desperate for Paramount Plus to come to the UK. It's going to be free if you've got Sky Movies, apparently. Um, so if you're a Sky subscriber and you have Sky Movies, you'll get Paramount Plus free, which is wonderful because it has all the Star Trek ever. It's got the Halo series. It's got a whole bunch of other stuff that looks absolutely up my street. And I'm still raging about the fact that they <laughs> changed all the Star Trek stuff overnight. I know I'll watch it in real time in some weird, weird way that I can't get my head around. But I just can't, like, just hurry up and come to the UK already. But anyway, Sonic the Hedgehog 3 and Knuckles, the series. That sounds great. It's another reason, Anton, to get this. Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where they take the Knuckles series. Um, Because very much these are 
borderline superheroes within of a world that's not very used to them. Will they set it in kind of Knuckles's original world where you know it's basically Green Hill? Are they going to set it on our version of Earth? And yeah, I guess they're very happy with um, Idris Elba's performance, which, you know, I've never thought of who would play Knuckles very well. But when I kind of saw them in the trailer, I was like, wow, you know, there's some energy there. So yeah, excited for the new, the second movie, never mind the first, third one and the series. And um, yeah, it's came a good, good while now. It's funny, isn't it, James, that, Idris Elba for about five years it was always like who's going to be the next James Bond it's going to be Idris Elba not Knuckles <laughs> it's uh, yeah it was quite a surprising choice when I saw that um, I'm going to be honest I don't know an awful lot about the movies I um, I haven't seen the first one um, I was very thankful when they sort of did the the redesign it's of, a great movie of, by the way I, I, I yeah. say that having been a bit sceptical I was a massive Sonic fan growing up and I was a bit sceptical about how good it would be even after the redesign. And it was it's really good. It's a genuinely good, fun movie. I'm just waiting for uh, Big the Cat, the movie, and then maybe I'll, I'll be more interested. Get it back onto your watch list. Um, <laughs> as of late March 2023, it's no longer going to be possible to make purchases on the Nintendo eShop for the Wii U system and the Nintendo 3DS family of systems. It'll also not be possible to download free content, including game demos. You'll still be able to re-download games and DLC, receive software updates, and play online beyond this date. So this is where, Al, you have constantly and consistently said that you very much um, are not in favour of online gaming and this might be the kind of time and reason where it shows that you're right yeah yeah they are not the first console to do it they're not the first you know company to do this they they all eventually kill off these stores and if you've not got a nice physical game to pick up and put into your console well you kind of can be goosed if you're machine breaks and you need to reset it well tough you're not getting these games back if you've got a nice physical cartridge you were laughing but i understand why they do it it costs money to keep these things going and at a certain tipping point it becomes uneconomical for them to continue to support a shop that or an ecosystem that just doesn't really get used much so i can't blame them for doing this i think it's just it's always a bit sad when they kill them off but yeah Good, uh, good reason to buy everything physical. Yeah, I mean, on top of that, they're going to be launching the 3DS and Wii U Memories website, which shares fun stats on your gaming history. And also, if you use Pokemon Bank before the end of March 2023, you should then be able to use the whole service for free, no payments required, when the 3DS eShop closes its doors. Uh, 1,000 digital-only games will be lost when that closes. And it, it is a real shame. I mean, I have a 3DS and a DS, and there'll be a bunch of stuff that I won't be able to to access but i mean to be honest would i access it now probably not but it's still just one of those extra little kind of sad things in time anton isn't it uh yeah you know i understand it in the context of the wii u there was actually a, a great uh, article of nintendo life recently with like uh kind of nintendo like online infrastructure guy uh very insightful and basically in that he was like yeah nintendo evaluates in the first two years by the how well the sales have been when they have a vague time that they'll be killing off the device. And for the Wii U, that makes total sense. I'm like, okay, you know, it was pretty rough and, you know, it came out in 2012 and, you know, you know, 10 million units. It's a drop in the pond. But 
the 3DS sold well for so, so long, and they only discontinued it late 2020. So there's somebody that went ahead and then, you know, I believe, let's say August of 2020, went to their game store and bought a brand new games console that's having its shores shut down two years later. Uh, I feel like they, could have, they should have kept it going for the 3DS a little longer, especially when it's contemporaries like the 360 still has its store up, the PS3 still has vague degrees of support, the PS Vita has vague degrees of support. Yeah. I think the 3DS should have lived a little longer. Well, the 3DS, James, is still a, a handheld that people believe is the last true handheld Nintendo console because really the Switch is a hybrid. Some people would argue that the 3DS is still much more of a handheld console. I mean, I would probably argue that too, to be honest. But it's it, a lot of people won't, won't have wanted to make that transition. And a lot of people will still be playing some fantastic titles on the 3DS. There's been games coming out until quite recently. So you can see it does feel quite quick, doesn't it? Um, yeah, especially for the 3DS. I think with the, the Wii U, given given how poorly i guess it sold and performed overall to to have an extra what six seven years of of life and support after it is um it seems incredibly generous almost but yeah for the 3ds i can i can understand that i guess people will be a bit miffed but um one of the things that you know anton mentioned you know ps3 still has its store online and microsoft does that but they're all interconnected with their, their current platforms where Nintendo seems to build something from the ground up every single time. And I guess that's maybe where where things fall down a wee bit. You know, the Wii U had the best virtual console library of of all the platforms so far. Um, and then all, yeah. all of that sort of progress seems to have been lost when they moved over to the Switch. Yeah. Um, so m- maybe, there's, maybe there's scope for them to actually have a bit more sort of interconnectedness for that, lack of a better word going I think forward that is a real that's a really good point about the virtual console because we talked about that a lot about nintendo's online offerings and how they're great but we had a lot of this and a lot more in the virtual console and it's a real shame that that's kind of gone backwards and people just kind of go no that never happened <laughs> that never and then they can do that even more now they can be like that never happened go and get go and get your expansion pack uh so it's a, it's a shame because the virtual console had a lot going for it but um well 2023 things will not be able to be gotten from there so next up retro studios they've updated their twitter banner and a profile picture hinting at samus and also they've listed 10 more jobs on art station they're always listing jobs anton <laughs> Yeah, you know, they're, they're a grown, ambitious team. I think the fact that they're listing for artists still, um, hence towards it being still very, very early in production, or not early-ish. Um, but nevertheless, uh, yeah, they're really hyping it up. Um, it's quite funny, on ArtStation, it's like a proper banner ad with animations of Samus kind of lighting up from the black with with the blue lighting it's the same photo that they use for the twitter banner but uh yeah they're the hype is real one day we will have this game and we'll be all gray it'll be great yeah it, it will it will get there eventually uh al but it does feel like it's uh well i mean how long how long have we been talking about this i think since possibly our episode one but yeah i mean i i am looking at these and i'm kind of i am wondering is this because the game is needing more artists or is it replacing people that keep leaving for some particular reason i mean i'm gonna have got my skeptics hat on here my sort of conspiracy theorist for a change 
I know, but that's 10 artists. It's a, it's a decent number of people to be employing in one particular go. And you'd think they would have had this all HR'd and employed a very long time ago. Clearly not. Well, I guess we'll not know until we actually see some products. <laughs> so I guess we'll just have to wait. But um, it certainly feels like it must be soon. It must be. We must be getting close, surely. Uh, Nintendo Switch Sports has a playtest with a strict NDA. The play count is high and crashes Nintendo servers for a brief moment. Anton, first of all, tell us about the playtest. I know a lot of people were talking about this. Was this the one that was accessible to the likes of me and you? Indeed, uh, I believe this was yesterday or the day before. And yeah, if you shared anything of it, any gameplay footage, even if the game was working effortlessly and beautiful and it was like the perfect demo, nah, nah, nah. You can't share that on Twitter, you can't share it on Facebook, your YouTube's get out of here. Um, and yeah, people seem to be really enjoying it from what has slipped out there. And yeah, eventually crashed the servers for a little bit cute and yeah um nintendo being weird with ndas <laughs> usually betas are a great time to get some early I'm, promotion imagine only nintendo could put out an nda for the people that buy their console if you're going to do that give it out to a certain amount of people who know they're signing an nda no but it's just ridiculous it's like nintendo you live in an alternate universe james do am i am i off my head here thinking this now, when they've done playtests in the past, um, I remember they did it with ARMS. I'm sure there were others. I don't remember them ever having a clause like that. And yeah, as Anton says, it seems really bizarre to me to go, don't talk about this thing everyone's really excited about. Um, although I think a lot of people who wanted to play it probably couldn't anyway, because it was, what, a handful of 45-minute slots or... Or something. I downloaded it ready to go and it was like, oh, it's finished already. And then some someone explained the slightly strange process of it all to me. So um Yeah, it it's a very strange move in my books. Yeah. That whole thing is just very, very Nintendo, isn't it? The only I mean, I was thinking about why they've done this, and the only thing I can come up with, and I don't even buy this myself, is that they'd published that they were going to put this this uh, playtest out and they'd fixed the date and then they went they realized oh it's not ready it's going to be really buggy it's going to be awful oh no people are going to hate it and then someone hastily went i know let's stick it behind an nda and just screw anyone who decides that they try and share any of this uh and it was just a reactionary move because they weren't ready that's the only conceivable reason i can think they would do this uh yeah but then i think surely it's nintendo and it's their own game in their own infrastructure in their own system in their own world surely they just go let's delay it <laughs> i mean because well that's what you think that's why i don't buy it myself <laughs> I, I just don't i don't understand any of it anton i know you want to talk so, yeah. so what, what are you gonna say no it's just amazing because what i have heard is it's brilliant it's <laughs> yeah, same, incredible same that's all i've heard people raving about oh it. no we can't have people knowing that our games are good <laughs> oh heavens share <laughs> their holders it's just so strange come on nintendo sort it out like we all we all love what you do but just not that side of it like stop being so litigious with everything like stop just chill relax anyway uh it does it is supposed to be very good from what we've heard from the people that oh we probably shouldn't say it's good let's not talk anymore about it let's move on to this week's rumors now i'm not normally one for gossip but 
Now, this is exciting. According to Jeff Grubb, Microsoft will be announcing a GoldenEye 007 re-release within a couple of weeks. I am so on board for this. They did a re-release uh, on the 360. I think it was 2006, 2007. And actually, that game was a lot better than people remember. At the time, it was kind of panned, but it was kind of because the, everyone wanted the original. But when you you play it in its own... Uh, on its own merit it's actually a decent James Bond game which is cool so I am very excited about it I really miss the classic Bond games of the 90s there was a spate of them from about GoldenEye through to 2002 kind of era um, where they were on PlayStation PlayStation 2 there's some really good Bond games at that time and all kind of single player missions GoldenEye is different because obviously we know the, the big selling point of GoldenEye is the multiplayer but this would be good Al wouldn't it this could be really fun this this would be really good because I mean I have very very fond memories of Goldeneye. It is the very first kind of first person shooter I ever really played. I mean I tried Doom and stuff in the past, but I couldn't get into them. I wasn't interested in mowing down hordes of monsters in hell. I was far more interested in Bond, which was a cool story. It was a story I knew. I got to be suave James Bond, and then I got to play multiplayer, which was epic. I played that game to death with people. It was just wonderful. Uh, and if we do actually get a re-release, it's been talked about a lot recently. We know it was kind of out there. It was it was made, and then it just kind of vanished. It never actually got out into the wild. So if this is an updated version of that, that would be that would be epic. My worry is that we won't get it on the Switch because even though Microsoft is quite pally with Nintendo and they do throw a lot of good things our way, it's one I can see them keeping as an Xbox exclusive, which would make us very sad on this podcast. Yeah, I'm on the the side of optimism. I think the main thing that's got me feeling good about it is that Microsoft have also done the the releases of Quake and Doom. Admittedly, that's through id Software. Uh, So this is technically a rare title, so slightly different kind of worms. But yeah, I'm kind of seeing a re-release similar to that in my, my dream multiverse of ideas. But fingers crossed we do get it. I don't know. Uh... I feel like we could. They they did it with Quake uh, and they did it with Doom. Those were good titles and those were kind of post-Microsoft. And on a kind of slightly different note, uh, yeah, I agree with you, Mike. The kind of late James Bond games were actually not too bad. They were based on the Call of Duty in- engine, ran well, and I think people unfairly compared it because it was in the middle of a shooter boom. How about yourself, James? Do you think we'll get this new GoldenEye 007 on Nintendo Switch? I... Honestly, have no idea. I do remember when they did the the remake on the Wii, and I'm sure it was on the Wii first, and then it was on the other consoles like a year later. It was timed exclusive at the very least, I think. Um, and I had a great time with it. Um, the only catch was that you had to play as Daniel Craig's Bond because of all the mountains of licensing and different companies all involved. Um, I could see Microsoft pulling off something like this and being able to get it to work. And I do wonder if it might be able to come to the Switch, given the good relationship they have. You know, you've got things like Ori and Cuphead on the Switch that are essentially Microsoft exclusives. You know, the way they're gobbling up companies, it seems like they're a lot more open to having their titles and other platforms as long as people are playing them. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. I'm optimistic. I have no idea how it would work, and I dread to think what all their lawyers must be uh, 
dealing with it, trying to get all these deals across the line. That's the thing. But, that's uh, what's, Yeah, he was hoping. That's what stopped it, isn't it? It's, it's licensing issues with any Bond game. It's very difficult to, to do because there's so many licenses. Um, I'm kind of with Al on this. It pains me to say, but occasionally I have to agree with him. And um, I do generally agree with him that I do see this probably being Xbox exclusive. Certainly, if anything, for the first year, I think we're going to see... It being Xbox exclusive to begin with, and if we do get it, I wonder if we might not get it until the next Switch. I do wonder if we might see it later on if we do, but I hope I'm wrong. I hope we see it on the Switch. I hope we get it anyway, some way or another, because it would just be great to have a, a new GoldenEye game. Uh, Super Mario Movie, uh, that's... Um, so the start date is it being listed on is this so the uh, explain yeah. what this is a word missing Anton so you'll have to help yeah, me there here. is a word missing and that word is toys on sites toys. such as Amazon and right. a couple other toy sites we're seeing listings of Super Mario movie toys ah, um, okay that, that, that makes more sense now but yes the, I, I got the gist that the, the movie might be getting announced soon we might be getting a date um how are we all feeling about the movie? James, are you excited about this movie? Um, I'm excited to see what a trailer is going to look like. Um, yeah, I just just like what we were saying before, I have no idea what this is going to be like. The cast seems to work. The entire concept completely baffles me and I can't get my head around it still. But um, I mean, I guess we just kind of have to trust that they at least partly know what they're doing. The Lego movies were great. Um, I guess they didn't have Mario in them and there's a lot more to uh, to deal with in this case. But um, no, I think it could do really well. I imagine if they're starting to list toys, then we'd be looking at American-wise, what, like a Thanksgiving, Christmassy sort of October, November holidays type of deal for a release. Christmas, Get, I think. Yeah. Yeah, maybe my guess. It's 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 a, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be good. I have high hopes. Pikachu was a good film, even though I haven't, I wasn't on board with it. I know other people love it, so that's great. Um, and I will rewatch it. Um, and it's funny. I have you looked at any of the toy listings? Have you seen some of the names that are out there? They're no. they're intriguing. There's okay. There's the, the things you would expect, like a five inch toad figure. But there's also Super Mario Movie Mini World Van playset. Wow. Mario has a van? I'm intrigued by this. There's there's so many things popping up and they may be awesome, but at the same time I'm thinking, please don't be the Super Mario Brothers the movie all over again. Because <laughs> if you Google Super Mario Toys, there are the pictures that come up, the nineteen nineties Bob Hoskins movie, which admittedly we have talked about before on this podcast. I did rewatch it. It's a lot better than I remember, but it's not Mario. <laughs> just a random film uh and finally in our rumors this week there's a data mine of nintendo switch sports and it lists fidelity fx super resolution or, or as it's known fsr now this doesn't mean very much to me anton but you're about to explain why that's significant indeed so we've talked about a similar sort of technology created by nvidia people that make the actual silicon that runs in the switch uh they create a solution called uh, dlss which has uh this upscaling ai which takes the process the footage, then upscale it. It's quite common in the PC space for making a 1080p game run at 4K if you don't have the horsepower to do it. This is AMD's solution, the main competitor to NVIDIA. So one, seeing um, FSR on a NVIDIA chipset is very, very odd and peculiar. Um, and to note this, Datamine discovered the license for this. So the idea that they're deploying 
um, FSR for this title can allude to one of two options. One, we don't know if it's actually in play at the moment, but this could mean that the game is running at a lower resolution. For instance, let's take uh, 540p or 480p and then being upscaled to 1080p. Or this could be alluding to either through the Switch or future hardware or a future dock, the option of taking this game running at 1080p, applying this uh, algorithm, it's not an AI unlike NVIDIA solution, and then upscaling that to 4K. There is some form of upscaling at play here, or capability to upscale, we just don't know in which way it will or has been deployed. That is interesting. I like the idea that this could be, and I suspect it's probably more likely that they are looking at sort of future-proofing the game and upscaling it down the line rather than it currently running at a very low resolution because, well, why would they do that? No other Switch games are. Uh, so, well, very few of them are running at a very, very low resolution being upscaled. So that would suggest that the, the latter theory might be the more accurate. It's certainly the more interesting and exciting one. Are we allowed to talk about be- this? Because, you know... <laughs> <laughs> have we have we got an NDA on this? Anyone want to check? I've signed nothing. Hang on, hang on. I'm just getting a word about you. Yeah, no, we're fine. We can keep talking about it. James, um, Anton's explained it very well. It's still kind of over my head, but uh, it, it sounds fancy. Uh, yes, yeah. Sorry, I thought you were going to say something more, but I think you've reached the limit of... Um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing really else to add to it. I mean, it's, it's kind of inter- it's intriguing. I think the future-proofing element is interesting because we've had this big gap between the kind of last um, sports, Nintendo Switch sports, these types of games, and obviously um, it's great that they're back and I think there's a lot of hype for them and it sounds like they've done really well with, with what people have said about playing it so far. And um, it's kind of cool that they're kind of looking at future-proofing stuff, though, isn't it? Because I, I guess we don't know how long the Switch cycle is going to be. And is, does that mean that future-proofing it for, for future versions of the Switch? Or surely it's just a positive thing, James? Uh, definitely. Um, if if that is the case, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, um, this Fidelity FX stuff will be listed in other first-party games that come out in the next wee while. But what I'm interested in is... If this is about future-proofing it for future consoles, and it's called Nintendo Switch Sports, does this mean the next console is almost certainly going to be called a Switch of some description, if a Switch 2 or something else? I mean, I wouldn't put it past them to just call it New Switch or something confusing, (laughs) like uh, the 3DS. But yeah, yeah, it seems like it's a... A positive move looking forward in some description. Yeah. Well, there is another option here. The other option is if with all these silicon shortages, they might just be looking at alternate chip suppliers. Mm-hmm. So they may just create to quietly change the chip supplier from uh, NVIDIA over to AMD without really talking about it. You might just get the next version of the Switch, teeny tiny incarnation, maybe a change of box that just happens to swap over to a different processor. That is possible. Well, we will find out in due course, or maybe we won't find out in due course, but either way, it's an interesting story, and Anton explained it very, very well. It's time for the quiz. I have so many questions. Woohoo, I do love quiz time, and I've got extra contestants, which is always fun. (laughs) Who will win? Is anyone going to dominate? Because we've got three contestants, we've got technically three questions, two questions and a closest to the pin. Uh, So... 
this could be end up being a three-way tie, which will be massively awkward for me because I'll have to scramble around at the last minute to find an extra game, which I hadn't really <laughs> contemplated when I put this quiz together. But you know what? That's my problem. I'm not going to bore you guys with it. Instead, I'm just going to go jump straight into our very first game tonight. Uh-oh. <laughs> it is an action RPG for the Game Boy Color. Would anybody care to throw any guesses out there? Um, action RPG for the Game Boy Color. Wow, that is specific. Is it... I don't know. I'm going to say no. Oh. <laughs> uh, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening DX. No, it is not. <laughs> See, I only had one action RPG on my Game Boy Color, and it was Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Ah, it is not. Mike, do you care to throw a guess out there? Uh, Casino Royale. It is not a casino royale. <laughs> uh, it was released in 2011 in the PAL region, 2002 elsewhere. It was developed by Capcom and M4, if that helps. Uh, that's late for Game Boy Color. Dragon Quest Six. Nope. Um, is it Fire Emblem, the Fiery Heart? <laughs> it is not. James... Uh, no, I'm stumped. The Capcom has thrown me off completely. Oh, yeah. um, I, no, Did I you see Capcom? I said it was developed by Capcom and M4, and it was also published by Capcom in Japan and North America, but by Virgin Interactive in the PAL region. Right. Doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, I'll give you another clue. It was uh, a top-down game, uh, but when you went into battle, it moved into first person, which was kind of unique. Certainly in the series, anyway. Hmm... Uh, That's a really difficult one. Pokemon. I'm loving Pokemon Purple and Magenta. Yes. No. No, it wasn't. No, entirely wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It's not often I stump you guys to the point where you can't even come up with uh, suggestions. This is great. Game Game Boy Color is such a niche kind of like it's yeah. (laughs) Anton, care to Um, hazard a guess? Met combat. Go. It is not. James, you want to just throw a random game out there? Uh, something Resident Evil. Ooh, he's getting very, very close. The plot of this game contradicted the main series in the franchise and it was basically disregarded as not being canon. Um, interesting. Resident Evil Revelations. Nope. Resident Evil 2? Nope. Is it something to do with, like, Alone in the Dark or something? No, you're getting colder. You're much closer before. Uh, This one had three playable characters. You explored areas, collected items, engaged in combat, and it was based on a passenger ship. That is the last clue I'm giving you. This is really tough. I don't... (laughs) Resident (laughs) Evil 4? Uh, no. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it does have a title after that. It's not the number, or it's not a number anyway. It is. It is a Resident Evil. So James, I'm going to give James half a point for at least getting that bit. Oh come on, um, <laughs> Resident Evil at Sea. Um, no. <laughs> Anton, give me something. Uh, Anything. Oh. No, Anton's already final. given you. He said Resident Evil 4. It's James that hasn't Oh, so he did, yeah. All right, yeah. James. I'm trying to think of like a funny title that would have GB after it, but <laughs> I can't. So I think they'd probably just go with something like Resident Evil Pocket Monster Zombies. 
I don't know. I'm just throwing words out now. Uh, ding, ding, ding. We got a... No, loser. No, it is not that. <laughs> it is Resident Evil Gaiden. There you go. I right. think it's the first time we've got to the one where you guys haven't named the game in quite a long time. So is that a crossover then? Because there's... No. No, right. It's not a crossover. It's, an, it's a genuine Resident Evil game that was basically completely outside of canon. I don't know quite how it ended up getting made by Capcom, but it, the whole thing was just kind of disregarded in, in every respect by every other game that was in the Resident Evil series. All right, I, I, I second half a point for James for getting Resident <laughs> Evil. I think that's only fair. I, I'm, how do you feel about it, Anton? Yep, uh, half a point to James. I mean, this is good that you guys all agree, but it's not a democracy. Uh, I'd make the rules, so he has to have a point, regardless. <laughs> I, also, I, also, I also edit the show, though, so I can't just edit you out, so there is that. <laughs> <laughs> this is true, you have ultimate power. Okay, uh, let's move on to our second game. It is an action-adventure, this time on the 3DS Fireway. Action-adventure 3DS, that's all you're giving us. That's all I'm giving you as a first clue. <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, nope, it's not uh, or mm. James. Why do I forget every video game in existence? Same, same. Whenever uh, the quiz starts. <laughs> All right, I'll move on. I will tell you it was. No, I'll tell you the game was released in 2015. If that helps. Mm, interesting. Um, action adventure. Is Should it be Robo Ziplash? Uh, no. Is is it? Um, oh, I forgot the name of the game now. It doesn't help. Uh, I'll make up another. <laughs> guys one. are doing so well. This is wonderful. <laughs> the, it's painstaking. But these, these you're, you're picking consoles that are there's so many games on them, and that also almost makes it harder to think specifically of t- certain games because we're so. Oh, you're being a pansy. Okay. Would you like another clue? Well, I haven't guessed, but go for it. <laughs> All right. It is a multiplayer. But there's also a single player on a game in there as well. There was an emphasis on cooperation when you played it in multiplayer. Um, Metroid Federation Force. Good guess, but no. Was it Zelda Triforce Heroes? Wow! Straight out. There you go. That's the one. Ding, ding, ding. That is indeed the game. You can pick that up for about four pounds. New, still on Amazon. <laughs> um, I think I have it in my collection, actually. Um, Probably because I think you can't play the online version. Well, you can, but there's nobody else playing it. So, um, yeah. Possibly. I mean, it was, it got quite a few awards. It got the uh, Game Critic Award for being the best handheld mobile game in 2015 at E3. And IGN, I think, gave it its best 3DS game award as well. So it was well-reviewed, but it was criticised because the single player apparently was a bit rubbish. And weirdly, for a multiplayer game, there was no two-player mode. You could do it on your own, or you could do it with three, but you yeah. couldn't do it in two-player. Why? Why did they do that? That's strange. Yeah. 2015 was the worst year in Nintendo. It wasn't great. <laughs> Out of curiosity, given the fact that uh, Anton is Bible of all things gaming, did you know that that game was a spiritual successor to another game? Indeed. Uh, Legend of Zelda Four Swords and Four Swords Adventure on the Game Boy Advance and GameCube, respectively. Uh, yes, but it was pegged as the spiritual successor of a Japanese-only SNES game called Marvelous Another Treasure Island, uh. which I was unaware of. And one step beyond. I don't you know. Go, that. I, I mean, I'm, I'm lost. This is the most. <laughs> this is the most confusing quiz I've ever been part of. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, so far, James has got one and a half points. So, uh, unfortunately, neither of you guys can beat him. But I will see if anybody other than James can come up with the closest to the pin. Because, uh, well, I'm 
I'm feeling like being cruel. So uh, I'm going to make Mike go first, just because I like watching him score. Mike, what year was the game Faceball 2000 released in? Uh, you know my instinct is to go 2000, right? Um, but I am guaranteeing it's not 2000. I am going, unless it's a really, really sick trick question um i'm going to go <laughs> would i do something like that 100 percent, you would i would say this is well it's clear it's an obvious answer um and it's really simple this came out in 1989 uh anton go next um i'm going for 2000 because i think it would be funny <laughs> <laughs> and james what's your guess i am gonna go 93 i need to do some quick maths in my head here and I think, God, someone tell me my maths wrong. I think Mike and James are joint winners because it came out in 1991. Yeah, well, it's it's halfway through. So, yeah, you guys are joint winners, which means that Anton has zero points, Mike has one, but James has a runaway winner with two and a half points. I mean... Well done. I I figured if it was called Faceball 2000, it was some futuristic game from the late 80s or early 90s. That was the basis of my guess. Um, However, Anton's 2000 could have been... If there had been like 10 previous Faceball games... Uh, Faceball 89, Faceball 90, Faceball etc, etc. <laughs> then I could understand, so so that I could see where he was coming from. So James, to go sneakily in the middle, made a lot of sense. But, you know, I think, well played James, basically. Well, it's even GG. better than that. Do you guys want to have a hazard of guess what platform this game was on? I'll tell oh, you, it was a what, Nintendo what, game. What, okay, wait, wait, it's in 1991, did you say? 1991. And it's a Nintendo game, and it's called Faceball. Baseball 2000. Um, um, the Teleview? Um, nope. Arcades? Nope. Uh, when was the Virtual Boy around? It was on the original Game Boy, and it was a first-person shooter. <laughs> wow. wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was amazing. I, I Apparently it was pretty awful, but... <laughs> yeah. I mean, a first-person shooter on the original Game Boy, is a, that's, that's going to be sore in your eyes really quickly. Oh, gosh, yeah. That, that would not have been fun to play, but... Apparently it was a game and it had some fairly rubbish mazes. You walked around, you had one gun in the whole thing. There weren't multiple guns because Obviously. Game Boy. Uh, and you shot bad guys. Wow. Okay. Done. All right. Well, well done, Al. That was a, a very good quiz, a bit, a bit too tough. Maybe just to dial it down for us small brains over here next time, please. That <laughs> no, would be... it makes me makes me very happy making you squirm. Yeah, well, yeah, well done, James. The only big brain among us. Congratulations. Thank you. you know, um... <laughs> off for 80 episodes and then win... Actually, to, to, to be fair, that means for the year it's one 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 because I won the first week, uh, and I said, "Well, I want to keep this equal this year." Anton, you won last week, and then James won this week, so it's actually one one one, which is concerning. It is. It is indeed. It's a, a, all to play for. If we get someone else on next week, does that mean they win? Uh, they could. They could. I mean, maybe they'll, they'll never. No one will ever win twice. That'll be the, the running theme. Mind you, we'll have to get a lot of uh, extra people to come on the podcast if that's the case. Uh, however, that is just about it for us. Just a quick reminder, we didn't mention it earlier, but if you want to go and check out how to be one of our amazing Patreons, we have an amazing community of wonderful people, then you can head to our website, nsukp.co.uk forward slash support dash us and all the details there about how to sign up. And we really appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, where else do we need to mention, Al? Uh, I mean, we are on all of the usual places. One of the best places to go and look for us at the moment is YouTube because it is constantly being added uh, added to with new content. Words around order I am speaking 
but you know what I mean. There's new content appearing on YouTube all the time. The, the Anton and his team of reviewers are just churning out reviews left, right, and centre, and they're all very, very good. So I can highly recommend looking up Nintendo Switch UK podcast on the YouTubes. Feeling which, just look us up on Twitter uh, at NSUK Podcast. We're on Facebook, or you can email me podcast at nsukp.co.uk. Anton, have I missed anything? Um, yeah, uh, I think you've covered it all. Uh, of course, the best place to head if you want to support us is nsukp.co.uk forward slash support dash us. We do all the bonus content. It's a lot. It's really cool. And it just keeps on coming. So uh, check it out. Yeah, James, thank you so much for joining us this week. It's been nice to find out what you've been playing and to be beaten by you on the quiz and um, <laughs> to to uh, just, you know, generally have a bit of a, a catch-up. So, um, yeah, and, and uh, what's your uh, what's your next... Have you got a game on the, on the waiting list? Because we're all thinking about Kirby, <laughs> to be honest. That's a good one. I'm not, I'm not a big Kirby fan, but it does look really good. It feels kind of Mario Odyssey-esque. And I am quite keen on that as well. Um, and I'll probably go and play some more Puzzle and Dragons because I apparently live in England now. Yeah, yeah, apparently you do. Uh, that, yep. that is it for this week's uh, podcast. Once again, huge thanks to everybody for downloading and listening. We really appreciate every single one of you and we will see you again soon. Goodbye. Cheerio. Au revoir. <laughs>